Hello, lovely beings. I am a being of love and light. I love all and all love me. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of um, Tea and Study with Me. So I'm just going to make ourselves a steamy mug of tea. And the book we're reading from today is called Elementary Number Theory. This is the second edition by David M. Burton. Now, this is kind of like a math book, um, but I like this book because... It also gives like little history snippets, and I think they're really interesting. Um, heads up, there are a lot of weird Greek names that I'm probably going to butcher in this episode, so please forgive me. Um, I'm going to try to remember to slow down when speaking. It's just that I really get excited about math. Oh my God, I get excited. So pardon me if I tend to read a little fast. But um, I picked this book up. How this book came to me, I like to tell how the books come to me. If you don't know, this is the flow of how we do it. Um, I've really been interested in number theory as of late. Um, I am the daughter of a mathematician. My father is a high school math and science teacher. He completed his bachelor's in, in mathematics. And I believe he was almost done with his master's. Um, so uh, I grew up just having a fascination and a sheer love for numbers and all things math. So um, as of late, I've been into number theory. Number theory is, it's not like your usual field of mathematics. A lot of, there are a lot of critics that will say um, it's, a, it's frivolous because you don't really do anything with it, but um, it's just the history of numbers. And I love it because it's, it's so, it's a simplicity but yet complex. You take simple numbers, you take simple theorems like the visibility theorem, and you see that from the basis of these very simple numbers opens up a world of complexity. And when I look at these theorems and I see the simplicity of taking, you know, why does six divided by three, six times three, you know, equals 18? Why does nine divided by three equals three? And the implications of that, something so simple but boy, it gets complex and deep quick. So I want to share with you um, a bit of reading from it. Because um, the more I read this book and the more I uh, do number theory and work on number theory and cryptography, the more I see that math and philosophy can almost go hand in hand. When you look at a person on the outside, you know, you see a human being with a face with a head, two arms, two legs, a simple human being, right? But then underneath or deeper inside that human is a world of complexity, you know? So I'm astounded. So I'm going to read to you a quote from chapter one. It says, number was born in superstition and reared in mystery. Numbers were once made the foundation of religion and philosophy. And the tricks of figures have had a marvelous effect on a credulous people. And that was a quote by F.W. Parker. Okay. So I want to read section 1.3, Early Number Theory, in the book entitled Elementary Number Theory, the second edition by David M. Burton. Before becoming weighted down with detail, we should say a few words about the origin of number theory. The theory of numbers is one of the oldest branches of mathematics. An enthusiast, by stretching a point here and there, could extend its roots back to a surprisingly remote date. 
While it seems probable that the Greeks were largely indebted to the Babylonians and ancient Egyptians for a core of information about the properties of natural numbers, the first rudiments of an actual theory are generally credited to Pythagoras and his disciples. Our knowledge of the life of Pythagoras is scanty and little can be said with any certainty. According to the best estimates, he was born between 580 and 562 BC on the Aegean or, or excuse me, on the Aegean island of Samos. It seems that he studied not only in Egypt, but may have been extended his journeys as far as Babylonia. When Pythagoras reappeared after years of wandering, he sought out a favorable place for a school and finally settled upon Croton, a prosperous Greek settlement on the heel of the Italian boot. The school concentrated on four mathematica, mathemata, or subjects of study. Arithmetica, which is arithmetic in the, in the sense of number theory rather than the art of calculating. Harmonia, music, geometra, geometry, and astrologia, which is astronomy. This fourfold division of knowledge became known in the Middle Ages as the quadrivium, to which was added the trivium of logic, grammar, and rhetoric. <clears throat> Excuse me. These seven liberal arts came to be looked upon as a necessary course of study for an educated person. Pythagoras divided those who attended his lectures into two groups, the probationers or the listeners and the <laughs> Pythagoreans. After three years of his first class, a listener could be initiated into the second class to whom he confided the main discoveries of the school. The, the Pythagoreans were a closely knit brotherhood holding all worldly goods in common and bound by an oath not to reveal the founder's secrets. Legend has it that a talkative Pythagorean was drowned in a shipwreck as God's punishment for publicly boasting that he had added the dodecahedron to the number of regular solids enumerated by Pythagoras. For a time, the autocratic Pythagoreans succeeded in dominating the local government in Croton, but a popular revolt in 501 BC led to the murder of many of its prominent members, and Pythagoras himself was killed shortly thereafter. Although the political influence of the Pythagoreans was thus destroyed, they continued to exist for at least two centuries more as a philosophical and mathematical society. To the end, they remained a secret order, publishing nothing and with a noble self-denial, ascribing all of their discoveries to the master. The Pythagoreans believed that the key to an explanation of the universe lay in number and form, their general thesis being that everything is a number. By number, they meant, of course, a positive integer. For a rational understanding of nature, they considered it sufficient to analyze the properties of certain numbers. With regard to Pythagoras himself, we are told that he seems to have attached supreme importance to the study of arithmetic, which he advanced and took out of the realm of commercial utility. 
the pet the pet the Pythagorean doctrine is a curious mixture of cosmic philosophy and number mysticism. It's sort of superneurology, numerology, which assigns to everything material or spiritual a definite integer. Among their writings, we find that one represented reason, for reason could produce only one consistent body of truths. Two stood for men, excuse me, two stood for man, and three for woman. Four was the Pythagorean symbol for justice, being the first number, which is the product of equals. Five was identified with marriage, since it formed by the union of two and three, and so forth. All the even numbers after the first one were capable of separation into other numbers, hence they were prolific and were considered as feminine and earthy, and somewhat less highly regarded in general. Being a, predominant, a predominantly male society, the Pythagoreans, the Pythagoreans classified the odd numbers after the first two as masculine and divine. Although these speculations about numbers as models of things appear frivolous today, it must be borne in mind that the intellectuals of the classical Greek period were largely absorbed in philosophy and that these same men because they had such intellectual interests, were the very ones who were engaged in laying the foundation for mathematics as a system of thought. To Pythagoras and his followers, mathematics was a largely was largely a means to an end, the end being philosophy. Only with the foundation of the school of Alexandria do we enter a new phase in which the cultivation of mathematics is pursued for its own sake. We might digress here to point out that mystical speculation about the properties of numbers was not unique to the Pythagoreans, to the Pythagoreans. One of the most absurd yet widely spread forms which numerology took during the Middle Ages was a pseudoscience known as, known as gematria or arithmetology. By assigning numerical values to the letters of the alphabet in some order, each name or word was given its own individual number. From the standpoint of gematria, two words were considered equivalent if the numbers represented by the letters when added together gave the same sum. All this probably originated, probably originated with the early Greeks, where the natural ordering of the alphabet provided a perfect way of recording numbers. Alpha standing for one, beta for two, and so forth. For example, the word amen, A-M-E-N, um, is four different Greek letters. These letters have the values 1, 40, 8, and 50, respectively, which total 99. In many old editions of the Bible, the number 99 appears at the end of a prayer as a substitute for a man. The most famous number was 666, the number of the beast, mentioned in the book of Revelations. A favorite pastime among certain Catholic theolo theologians during the, Re the Reformation was devising alphabet schemes in which 666 was known to stand for the name of Martin Luther, thereby supporting their contention that he was the Antichrist. Luther replied in kind, 
he connected a system in which 666 became the number assigned to the reigning pope, Leo X. It was at Alexandria, not Athens, that a science of numbers divorced from mystic philosophy first began to develop. For nearly a thousand years, until its destruction by the Arabs in 641 AD, Alexandria stood at the cultural and commercial center of the Hellenistic world. After the fall of Alexandria, most of its scholars migrated to Constantinople. During the next, excuse me, during the next 800 years, while formal learning in the West all but disappeared, this enclave at Constantinople preserved for us the mathematical works of the various Greek schools. <clears throat> excuse me. This so-called Alexandrian museum, <clears throat> excuse me, this so-called Alexandrian museum, a forerunner of the modern university, brought together the leading poets and scholars of the day. Adjacent to it, there was established an enormous library, reputed to hold over 700,000 volumes, hand-copied at its height. All of the distinguished names connected with the museum, that of Euclid, founder of the School of Mathematics, is in a special class. Posterity has come to know him as the author of The Elements, the oldest Greek treatise on mathematics to reach us in its entirety. The Elements is a compilation of much of the mathematical knowledge available at that time, organized into 13 parts or books, as they are called. The name of Euclid is so often associated with geometry that one tends to forget that three of the books, um, 7, 8, and 9, are devoted to number theory. Euclid's elements constitute one of the great success stories of world literature. Scarcely any other book, save the Bible, has been more widely circulated or studied. Over a thousand editions of it have appeared since the first printed version in 1482. And before that, manuscript copies dominated much of the teaching. And before that, manuscript copies dominated much of the teachings of mathematics in Western Europe. Unfortunately, no copy of the work has been found that actually dates from Euclid's own time. The modern editions are descendants of a revision prepared by Theon of Alexandria, a commentator of the 4th century AD. And that is the reading from Elementary Number Theory. I find that reading to be very interesting um, for, for several readings. Um, because it seems like the original mathematicians were indeed philosophy philosophers, as it says that back in the day, instead of math being studied for just study for math, math was studied to get to an end, which is philosophy. So I thought it was really interesting. What I also thought interesting was that one of the greatest circulated books in history, other than the Bible, get this now is Euclid's Elements, a mathematics book. So the second highest grossing of all time, highest read circulated book was a math book. And it's just really interesting that um, math and religion and philosophy at one point all kind of went, all went hand in hand. And what I found hilarious was that it said that um, 
a favorite pastime among certain Catholic theologians during the Reformation was to devise alphabetic schemes in which 666 was shown to stand for the name of Martin Luther. <laughs> that is that's so hilarious to me. Also, um, numbers, it makes sense because numbers are very particular in the Bible. You know, when I read the Bible, we learn about the 12 tribes of Israel about these seven seals and revelations that are going to be broken about the 144,000 with the name of the name of the father in their forehead um uh, about how noah took into the ark two by two or whatever so numbers and of course the famous of the infamous 666 um so it's just very numbers appear even in the bible so we have to really think that math is a very important subject and we, we can't sleep on it um we don't teach math as good, and we don't talk about the history. Now, in math class, we just learn numbers. When I'm saying numbers, we learn rogue memorization, and we for sure did not learn history. Um, when I look at a lot of uh, historical mathematicians, or um, when I look at the history of math, it's a history of secret foundations. Because to be a mathematician back then was to be a philosopher, and to be a philosopher you know, that's a very, it was, it was, it was mystical almost like math, math was kind of like magic, mysticism, shrouded mysticism. So, um, so when I look at, uh, secret societies, cause you know, any good conspiracy theories, any good reader, any good person on a conquest for knowledge, you're going to come across secret societies. And I'm starting to find out that a lot of the oldest secret societies were formed based on math and science because they were starting to pull away from religion you know so i don't want to dwell too much into this because i can literally go all night <laughs> but i thought i would share with you just some interesting um history of math um, as i go along reading this book um and enjoying elementary number theory i'll be sure to um keep you guys posted thanks again for listening have a good night